And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a horror episode of the Sealed Book from 1945. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from popular songs and provide a statement about each song. And my job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. And that is quite a feat. What about your feet? No, yeah, they're a little. You know, they're a little cheesy. They're a little what, Carl? Cheesy. Cheesy. Yeah, I highly doubt that. You know, like uh, you know, like uh, like what? uh, Like a Parmesan. You know, they're a little Parmesani smelling. I highly doubt that's the case. In fact, I'm confident that. Are you also one of those people that take? a bath once a week, whether you need to or not? No, that's just you. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say they were corny. Ah. ah. Yes. Adding to the corny jokes. That's good. So oh, wait, I Can you to... say that again, Mike? No, no. Once Say it, it again. Don't I you... thought you were going to say that they were corny. There we go. Ah. I don't, you know, I, I do not have corny You know feet. I would not be able to, like, do the rest of the show if I didn't hit the... Hit the rim are you having shot. trouble speaking? <laughs> you are on the radio, just saying. <laughs> All right, what are okay. we doing here? Let's do some really okay. ridiculous. These are songs used in movies. All right. So let's hear the first song. Now I time of my life. This is The Time of My Life by yeah. Bill Medley and Jennifer Warren. Right. I know the song, Do you? I mean, and I know what movie it was in. Right. I think I don't know why these are really easy. I know ones the movie it's in. What? Should I tell you? Sure. Flashdance. Okay. Well, let me say the statement, and you can say real or ridiculous, All and right. we'll go from there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Okay. Here's your statement. Yeah. This song was featured in the movie Flashdance. <laughs> real or ridiculous? Uh, real. <laughs> Am I right? Let's listen to the clip. <laughs> All right, so it was, right? It was, right? This is dirty dancing. What? This is dirty dancing. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was in Flashdance, too. Yes, it was. It's in Flashdance. Yes, it is. I changed it at the end. No, it's uh, definitely in Flashdance. Flashdance? Yes. Maybe they used it in both. Yes, it's in Flashdance. All right, but go ahead. So, you might all right. be right, actually. All right, go on. Dirty Dancing, the time of my life. All right. No, it's not in Flashdance. Yes, it is. Go ahead. No, next. it's not. Next. No, it's not. Okay, next. Okay, so I want to hear the buzzer. 
right, here. Okay? Okay. Well, one of our astute listeners will let me know if I'm wrong or right, but go ahead. It's from Dirty Dancing. All right. Okay. Just okay. admit you're wrong. All and right. I'll move on. It's in both movies. It is, that is incorrect because I just looked it up and All you're right. not correct. Okay. Okay. Let's keep going. All right. You did not win a pizza. Okay. okay. Here's the next song. All right. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, come to talk the song of you again. Excuse me, the sound of silence. Is it Simon and Garfunkel? It is. See, I always know the band. You know? Yeah, you do. Isn't that weird? Here's your statement. This song was featured in the movie Summer of '42. Wrong. It was in. Um, it was in. Um, Mrs. Robinson, I think that movie. What is, is that? There called? A, a movie called you know, Mrs. Robinson. You know what I'm talking about? I do. But what was the, what was the name you. of that movie? I'm not going to help you. It's no false, real, ridiculous. <laughs> false, real, false, ridiculous, not true, whatever. Hey, let's hear it. It was in uh, the Graduate. It's in the Graduate. Seventy-two. Right. We expect to make our four-hour and eighteen-minute flight on schedule. This is the Graduate. All right. I'm I'm We've right on both of them. No, so no, far. you are not right yeah. on the first okay. one. Listen. <laughs> you are correct listen, on this one. Crack that other bottle of Roma wines Hello, open. You are incorrect on the first one and correct All right, on the we'll second see. one. All right, we'll see. We'll see. One of our astute listeners will. All right. Okay, okay. next. Here's the next one. What you want. You can't that's, always get what you want so that's by the, the Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones. Yeah. And this movie. I always know the, I always yes. know the band. True. Is that some kind of a weird thing? Like I think my you brain? have a block. I know the band. A blockage I never, in your brain. I have a blockage, you're right. <laughs> I have a, that's why I need prune juice all the time. Prune juice. That's the raisin. Okay, so. Uh, no, prune juice works way better. Does it? Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. When you have a blockage. <laughs> <For future> reference. <laughs> I think it depends what kind of I'm blockage like, you have. Prune juice in the house. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Whoever. Is there, Whoever. Any, is there any prune juice in the house? <laughs> you should make sure to keep it around. Uh-huh. Here's your statement. Yeah. yeah. This song was featured. I really need some prune juice. <laughs> I think it depends what kind of blockage you depends. have. Yes, depends. Yes, okay. depends. All right. <laughs> this song was featured in the movie The Big Chill. Um, uh, I'll say real on that. Let's listen to the clip. Terrible. Yeah. Last time I spoke with Alex. Yeah. The big yeah, chill. I, yep. I Kevin Costner played the dead body. Yes. That's in that movie. That was a really cool movie. Yeah. Really sad movie. Yeah, really small yeah. part. That's a great part. You don't no have to acting, learn any lines. No acting necessary. <laughs> Just get paid. What was the argument about? All right. Uh, all right. Here is That's your a last... really good movie. It is big a good chill. movie. I told yeah. You. Here's your last song. I've gotten them all right so far. No, you have not. It's a great song. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of bands have done this song. They have. They have. This is Hallelujah. This was written by Leonard Cohn. This version is sung by Rufus Wainwright. Rufus? Wainwright. Wainwright? I like this version. Hallelujah. Faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her Great bathing on the roof. I love it. Right, so what's, what's this the... song was featured in the movie Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2? 
Well, I'm asking you. I think so. I'm going to say real. More Hollywood 360. Oops. Wrong, not- wrong liner. <laughs> live radio. I live alone. My swamp. Oh, Me. This is in, Nobody uh, else. Shrek. Understand? Nobody. Shrek. Especially useless, wow. pathetic, annoying, talking donkeys. But I thought. Yeah. You, you know what? You thought wrong. Yeah. Trick. And here it comes. Yeah. See, I don't watch animated films. That's I know you don't. I don't like Well, anim- you got two out of four. <laughs> Wrong. I got three out of four. You absolutely did not. Yes, I did. You you did not. I got three out of four. You're not going to sleep tonight knowing that you're not Listen, telling the truth. Drink some more of that Roma wine. I think I need it to sit chill here. Chill out a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Just chill. be honest with yourself, Carl. Chill. <laughs> You are what you are. All right. Thanks, Lisa Wolf. Thanks, Carl Amari. We have a really scary, cool, terror episode of The Sealed Book coming your way. So stay with us. Hallelujah. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. You know, a real man will admit when he's wrong. Is that you? And he'll also not eat quiche or wear pink. Okay. So I don't eat quiche. I don't wear pink. Is that right? Um, But I will admit that I was wrong. That song, Time of Your Life, Time time of of My my Life, life, Mm -hmm. was in Flashdance. It was not in... (laughs) It was not in Sorry. It was in... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was in. It was what is not that? in Flashdance. It's a movie, Dancing, Dirty Dancing. It was a dirty. It was, it was not, written for Dirty Dancing okay. in 1987. So you were you were right. Well, here's what you need to do. Um, you hire me to do a job. You're going to have to trust me that I do that job. You've made stellar. mistakes. You've made mistakes. No, I have you're, not. You're human. Rarely, if ever. So I am wrong. It was it was not in. Flash dance. I thought it was in flash dance. Right. I don't know why. I just did. Right. So you got two I think out because of four. I've never seen Dirty Dancing, and you know, I have no seen excuse flash... is necessary, Carl. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sealed book. This is a really good scary series. It it only aired one season in 1945. It was produced and directed by Jock McGregor. That's a cool name, Jock McGregor. Jock. Uh, Jock, J-O-C-K. I know, it sounds like Jock. And it was a mystery show. Philip Clark was the mysterious silent keeper of the book in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. And he'd open the book and, you know, tell a story. And the story we're going to tell you this time, Program 7 in the series, is The Accusing Corpse from April 29, 1945. Let's tune this in. Part 1 of The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book. Once again, the keeper of the book has opened the ponderous door to the secret vault, wherein is kept the great sealed book, in which is recorded all the secrets and mysteries of mankind through the ages. Here are tales of every kind, 
Tales of murder, of madness, of dark deeds, strange and terrible beyond all belief. Keeper of the book, I would know what tale we tell this time. Open the great book and let us read. Slowly, the great book opens. One by one, the keeper of the book turns the pages and stops. Ah, the strange story of a man who would stop at nothing to accomplish his ends. A tale called The Accusing Corpse. Here is the tale, The Accusing Corpse, as it is written in the pages of the sealed book. Philip Drake, the wealthy stockbroker, is pacing nervously back and forth in the drawing room of his country mansion. His face becomes pale as Vivian, his wife, enters the drawing room, a suitcase in one hand. Well, Philip, I'm all packed and ready to leave. I do hope Vivian, that how you... can you do this to me? You know I love you, that I do anything to make you oh, happy. Oh, Philip, let's not go over that again. Oh, please, darling, don't leave. At least not until your brother Roger's arrived and had a chance to talk to you. He'll be here any minute. Oh, nothing that righteous brother of mine can say will change my mind. Now, would you mind lending me your car to get to town? Vivian, if you leave me, you won't get a cent. Not a cent, you hear? Really? Did you ever stop to think, Philip, that there might be another man? One with more money than you? Another man? Oh, no, Vivian, there couldn't be. And why not? But we've only been married three months. Why, there couldn't have been anybody in that time. Oh, but there was. Oh, Vivian, you can't do this to me. I love you. I love you. I won't let you go. I really must be saying goodbye now. He's waiting for me in town. I don't want to be late. If I can't have you, no one else will, do you hear? Oh, really? You're being ridiculous. I must go now. No! Philip, what are you... A gun. Yes, Vivian. A gun. I told you if I couldn't have you, no one else would, and I mean it. Even with that gun, you can't keep me, do you hear? I'd sooner die than go on living with you. I'm going, and you're not going to... <gasps> oh, you... You shot... Oh. Vivian. Philip, what happened? I thought I heard... Vivian. I didn't mean to do it. She was going to leave me. Vivian. Roger, is she dead? Yes. Philip, do you know what this may mean? Life imprisonment, perhaps even the electric chair? Yes, I know. I lost control of myself. Nothing seems to matter now. You, you simply can't throw your life away like that. Even if Vivian was my sister, I don't mind telling you that I always felt you were far too good for her. She didn't deserve to be your wife. Oh, please, Roger. Look, if we were to get rid of the body, who could possibly know that she didn't leave here tonight as she'd planned? No, no. It wouldn't work, Roger. You can't get away with murder. That's nonsense, Philip. Now, if we were to bury her in the woods, no one would ever find her body. Bury her in the woods? I couldn't do that. Philip, you must let me handle this. Oh, and you'd better give me that gun. All right, Roger. Here you are. Good. Now you wait here. 
I'm going to get rid of the body. I think this is quite far enough. I'm afraid I'll have to bury you now, my dear Vivian. <laughs> Put me down, Roger. I'm tired of being carried like a stack of potatoes. All right. Oh, there. Oh, and let me congratulate you on your performance as a corpse as I carried you out. Roger, do you think he suspects anything? Of course he doesn't. He's positive that he shot and killed you. It was very clever the way you taunted him into doing it. You've got the gun, haven't you? Certainly I've got it. You don't think I was going to let him discover that the bullets have been removed and blank cartridges substituted, did you? No, not you, Roger. You always know what you're doing. <laughs> it was a lucky day when you met me. <laughs> Look, now here's the key to the apartment I rented in town. You'll find my car a quarter of a mile down the road. All right. I'll be waiting for you at the apartment. I'll be there in a few hours. Hmm. Well, now let's see. Huh. This seems like a nice place to dig. The next morning, Roger called on Philip at his office. And finding Philip very nervous, reassured him that he had hidden poor Vivian's grave carefully. When Philip expressed his gratitude for Roger's help, Roger suggested that Philip could do him a favor in return by lending him $20,000 to swing a business deal. Philip was startled, but after a moment's hesitation, wrote out a check. As he wrote it, Roger smiled. Things were working out just as he'd planned. Roger, did you get it? Well, what does this look like? Oh, <laughs> darling, that's wonderful. Now we can clear out it. What? Roger, there isn't a hundred thousand here. Why, no, dear. <laughs> I only got twenty thousand from him. But we were after a hundred thousand. Why didn't you get it all this morning when you saw him? My dear Vivian, it simply isn't done that way. Blackmail is an art. An art that calls for the use of psychology. <laughs> Philip will give us many times over the money I hold in my hand. All in due time, of course. You mean I'll have to go on hiding in this miserable apartment until you've finished your little game with him? Never being able to leave it for fear someone will recognize me? Oh, come now. You've got the radio, books, Well, I uh, won't spend weeks in this apartment, I tell you. I, I won't. Oh. oh, my arm. You... you will do exactly as I say, Vivian. Exactly. Do you understand? Oh, Roger, I... It's nothing to what I will do if you disobey me. Do I make myself clear? Oh, yes. Yes, I'll do whatever you say. You've heard of the term twisting your arm. That's exactly what that guy was doing right there. That's a little more literal, though. Yeah, twisting her arm to make sure she complied in this blackmail scheme. 
This is called The Accusing Corpse. It's on the sealed book. Good series. Very uh, good. It only aired one season, though. You know, you like this. Is a, this was a good show. I mean, well, well done. Um, Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan, they were the force behind the mysterious traveler and also the strange Dr. Weird. They wrote these episodes. We'll get back to it in a flash. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right, before we get back to the sealed book, I do want to remind all of our listeners that we have an incredible offer for you on behalf of Me's Meals. They're one of our very loyal sponsors. They help put this show on the air for you. And we're asking you to support them. And they have a great offer, 50% off your first time you try Me's Meals. You're going to love them. We love them. Mike gets it every week. I get it every week. Lisa gets it every week. And many of our listeners get it every uh, get it every week. And um, you can't ask for a better offer than that. 50% off your first, uh, your first order by putting the promo code CARL in at checkout. It's a great way to try them out. I know that I look forward to it every Monday because it's one last day that I have to think about what's for dinner tonight yeah. and it saves me a trip to the grocery store and figuring out just planning what am i going to buy what am i going to make what do i need to do to, in order to make this it all comes together in one easy healthy delicious mise meal kit yep mise meals is so much easier and faster than other meal kits because they do all the chopping and prep for you the ingredients arrive ready to cook from scratch and the difficult part of cooking is taken care of already by Mies Meals. You get everything you need. You make it in about 15 to 20 minutes. It's on your table, and your whole family is going to be like, wow, this is like a gourmet meal. Most importantly, it is delicious. Yeah, it really is. And they ship it to pretty much everywhere in the United States. They have it all figured out. They know exactly how to do it, get it to your table, fresh as can be, and you will have an amazing meal and the first time, it's 50% off. So why not try it? Go to their website, Mies Meals, M-E-E-Z Meals.com, Mies Meals.com. Order what you'd like. Use promo code CARL at checkout and save 50% off. Now, here's the thing. Every week, they have new dinner items, and they have desserts and everything else. But like this week, I've never gotten what I ordered this week. It's like a chicken satay with noodles the satay sauce. I can't wait to try that. 
I always try, I usually try different things, but every once in a while I have some favorites that I like order right. again. But I'm really looking forward to this. Well, I've got the drunken noodles with tofu, and Mike has the shawarma. Yes, what's a shawarma? I don't know what that is. It's like, it, um, it's, like Greek. it's Mediterranean. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like yeah. I love Europe. Mediterranean. Yeah, me too. Well, anyway, folks, I'm telling you, we bring you great sponsors. They are really, really amazing. Like you know, all of our sponsors, but Me's Meals is the best food delivery service on the planet. Me's M E E Z Meals dot com. Use promo code Carl at checkout. Save fifty percent. All right, you ready for the conclusion now to The Accusing Corpse? This stars Philip Clark as the keeper of the book. April 29th, 1945, the conclusion to The Sealed Book. And now to continue the story as it is written in The Sealed Book. A week passed. A week in which Roger patiently bided his time. For time he knew was working on his side against Philip. Then one morning he called on Philip at his office. Ah, good morning, Philip. How are you? How do you expect me to be? This past week I've been able to think of nothing but Vivian. What happened that night? Philip, you must stop brooding over it. Whatever happened was her fault, not yours. Yes, you're right. Perhaps what I need is a vacation. Of course. A trip would do you a world of good. And if I could afford it, I'd go along with you. You mean you haven't any money? I'm afraid not, Philip. That's what I've come to see you about. I must have um, $40,000 at once. 40000 Yes. If I don't get the 40000 it may mean prison for me. You wouldn't want to see that happen, would you? No, of course not. After all, Philip, I saved you from prison. In fact, I made myself an accomplice to Vivian's murder by not turning you over to the police. Yes, I know, but you could hardly expect me to remain loyal to you if you weren't willing to help me, could you? I see. Seems I haven't any choice. Very well, Roger. I'll write you out a check. this, Vivian. $40,000 in cash. Oh, darling. Uh, wasn't this worth staying and hiding for? And there's plenty more where this came from. Oh, who could that be? You better get behind that screen. Yeah, all right, Roger. Yes? CO day for Miss Brown. Comes to $64. Hey, you must be mistaken. There's no Miss Brown here. Well, this is the address she gave. Sincero, Mr. Roger Martinson. That's your name? Why, oh, yes, but I Those don't know. Those packages are for me, Roger. Uh, how much did you say the COD was? Uh, $64, miss. Oh, yeah. Here you are. Thank you, miss. Here's your receipt. Bye. Bye. When did you buy those clothes? This morning. You mean you went out shopping in spite of what I told you? Well, I was sick of being cooped up in this apartment day and night. I, I had to do something for a change. And what of my plans? You risked everything with so much at stake. Roger, Roger, stop looking at me like that. I I tell you, I couldn't stand being cooped up in this apartment any longer. 
And if you don't get the rest of the money at once so that we can clear out, I'll go shopping whenever I feel like it. You can't make... You'll do exactly as I say. I won't allow anything or anyone to interfere with my plans. I've worked every step out perfectly, and there isn't going to be any slip-up. Another week passed. A week in which Roger made no effort to see Philip. Then early one evening, he got into his car and drove out of the city to Philip's home in the country. Oh, it's you, Roger. Uh, come in. Uh, good evening, Philip. Uh, where are the servants? This is their night off. You're not looking well at all, Philip. You shouldn't remain in this big house by yourself. What difference does it make where I am? Wherever I go, the memories of that night follow. It's hard to believe that it was only two weeks ago tonight that I killed her. Two weeks ago tonight? Why, so it was. Uh, by the way, Philip, do you think you might possibly lend me $60,000? Sixty? Well, you can't be serious. Oh, but I am. But I've lent you that much already. Yes, I know, but I must have more. No. I won't give you another cent. You've blackmailed me enough. Blackmail is a harsh word, Philip. What else would you call it? You're just as hard and grasping as Vivian was. Oh, yes, but you must remember I'm alive and she isn't. I suppose you're glad she's dead. In life, she was worth nothing to you. In death, you were able to get $60,000 for her. In death? How do I know she is dead? Don't be foolish, Philip. You shot her yourself. Yes, but how do I know she was dead? It was you who examined her, you who told me so, and you who buried her body all by yourself. I just wanted to spare you, Philip. Just exactly where did you bury Vivian? As a matter of fact, how do I know the whole affair wasn't staged for my special benefit? You're quite capable of such a scheme. I tell you, she's dead, Philip, and buried out in the woods. And I want to see the grave. And the body you say is in it. This is ridiculous. I won't go searching for a grave in the middle of the night. You shouldn't have to search for it, Roger. Not if you really dug one. Come along. I won't do it. Why, this is I all... said come along, Roger. Oh, very well. But I'm not certain I'll be able to find the grave. After all, the woods is fairly large, and it's been two weeks since I buried her. It's quite all right, Roger. We'll stay out there until you do find her. The grave is someplace around here. I'm certain of it, but... Perhaps we ought to come back in the daytime. It might be easier to find it then. I know, Roger. You shouldn't have any trouble finding it now. If it exists... It does exist, I tell you. It's, it's just that the woods are so confusing at night. Everything looks so different. Just keep on searching, Roger. Uh, well, perhaps this is the spot. It, it looks something like it. There's only one way to make certain, and that's to start digging. Here's a shovel. Start digging. Oh, very well, Philip, if you insist. Well, Roger, you've been digging for 20 minutes now, and you haven't uncovered a body. You're a great actor. 
But I'm afraid this time you've overplayed your role. What do you mean? Vivian isn't dead. And there's no use pretending she is. Everything that's happened was part of a scheme the two of you planned to extort money from me. I tell you she's dead, Helen. And where's the body? I thought this was the spot, but I must be mistaken. I'm sure I didn't bury her any deeper than this, but... Philip, turn the flashlight this way. What is it? Look, do you see what I've uncovered? A hand. Yes. This is the spot where I buried her. Just a few more shovels full, I'll have her body uncovered. Vivian. No. No, it can't be. But it is Vivian. Look, Philip. Here's the bullet hole under her heart. The bullet hole you made. I don't want to see it anymore. I've seen it up. You should trust me a little more, Philip. Everything I did was for your own good. After all, you don't want to go to the electric chair, do you? I don't care what happens anymore. I can't stand having her death on my conscience any longer. I'm going to call the police. Don't be a fool, Philip. You know it can mean the electric chair. I'll take my chances. Anything's better than going on living the way I have these past two weeks. I'm going back to the house and call the police. Philip, come back. Philip! And now to continue the story, as it is written in the sealed book. After Philip and Roger had dug up Vivian's body with the bullet hole through the heart, Philip decided that the only thing left for him was to call the police and confess. So in spite of Roger's protests, he rushed back to the house. Operator. Operator, Philip, wait. Don't do anything foolish. You've cut me off. Take your hand off the phone, Roger. All I want you to do is to listen to me for a few minutes. Then if you still want to call the police, you can. Now, please, put the receiver down, Philip. That's it. What do you want to tell me? Well, do you mind if I mix myself a drink first? It's been a rather difficult evening. Very well. Uh, what about one for you? You look as though you could stand a drink. No, thank you. Nonsense now. It'll do you good. What is it you want to say to me, Roger? Say to you? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, oh, here's your drink. Thank you. Well, what shall we drink to? We'll drink to your good luck, come what may. Ah. Ah, there, I feel a good deal better. All right, now we've had a drink. What have you got to say? Oh, oh, yes. Uh, what I wanted to say was, I never let anything interfere with my plans, Philip. I can't allow you to go to the police, and therefore you shan't. It would spoil my plans. It would, would it? But I'd like to see you stop me. I have, Philip. In a very little while, in fact, in just a few seconds, you'll be dead. Dead? <laughs> what do you say? Yes, Philip. The drink I mixed you was poisoned. Aren't you finding that it's becoming difficult to breathe? No. You couldn't have... My throat, it burns. Yes, I know, but it'll all be over in a matter of seconds. Now I see it all. You, you murdered her. Yes, Philip. Just a week ago tonight, she died according to plan. I'll call the police. I'll tell them to... I'm afraid you haven't the strength left to reach the phone, Philip. 
I would. I... You and Vivian never had a chance, Philip. I had things worked out perfectly, down to the smallest detail. Hello, operator. Operator, please connect me with the police. Oh, Inspector, I finished the examination of the body of Vivian Drake and her husband, Philip. Okay, Doc. Oh, this is uh, Roger Martinson. Mr. Martinson, this is Dr. Smith, the county coroner. How do you do, Mr. Oh, hello. I'll be with you in a few minutes, Doc. Just stay here. All right, Inspector. Now, Mr. Martinson, uh, you were telling me how you came to this house two weeks ago tonight to see your sister and found she was gone. Yes. My brother-in-law, Philip, told me that she had gone on a vacation. I thought it strange at the time that she should have gone away without saying goodbye to me, as we were always very close. Then days passed and I didn't hear from her. Was it like your sister to go away and not write? No, and that's what worried me so. The past two weeks, Philip kept putting me off when I inquired about Vivian's whereabouts. Tonight, I couldn't stand it any longer, and I came to this house to have it out with him. Well, what did your brother-in-law say when he saw you? He was um, quite agitated at my unexpected arrival. When I threatened to go to the police, he broke down and confessed to having murdered Vivian. When had he murdered him? He told me he'd done it two weeks ago tonight. That was the very night I'd come here to see Vivian, and he told me that she'd left for a vacation. I see. Go on. Naturally, when he told me he'd murdered her, I, I was aghast. He led me to the woods and showed me the grave. We returned to the house, and before I could stop him, Philip had taken poison. I then called the police. Well, seems like a plain case of murder and suicide to me. Right, Doc? Perhaps, but Mr. Martinson, I was very much interested in what you had to say regarding the murder of your sister. You say that your brother-in-law confessed to murdering her two weeks ago tonight. Uh, yes, that's correct. And you never saw her alive after that night? Oh, why, no, of course not. What are you getting at, Doc? Please, Inspector. Mr. Martinson, would you mind telling me where you live? Why, at 425 West 106th Street. Tell me, were some clothes delivered to that address in your care one week ago today? Clothes? Yes, to be exact, a woman's sports suit, which cost $64 and arrived COD. Why... No. You're lying, Mr. Martinson. I have in my hand a slip of paper that not only proves that you're lying, but it'll send you to the electric chair. Doc, what are you saying? Yes, Inspector. Mr. Martinson's plan was perfect, but he slipped up badly. He forgot to search Vivian Drake's clothing before he buried her. When I examined her body just now, I found in one of her pockets this receipted bill, bearing the date April 9th. That proves beyond a doubt that she was alive one week ago. And consequently, couldn't have been murdered by her husband on April 2nd, as Mr. Martinson here claims. I know. Yes, Mr. Martinson. It was you who killed her. The corpse has accused you from the grave of murder and has given us proof of your guilt. No, it can't be. I had everything planned perfectly. Perfectly, do you hear? Down to the last detail. I couldn't have failed. I couldn't... But Roger Martinson had failed. And all because of a mere sales slip that was found in a corpse's pocket. A dated sales slip that gave the lie to his testimony and sent him to the electric chair. For murder is always without, though it takes the dead themselves to tell of it.
And now, keeper of the book, before you close the great book, show us the tale we tell next time. This one? Ah, yes. An incredible story about a young married couple who bought an old New England colonial house. A house that was cursed. Cursed with the evil spirit of a dead woman. A tale called... Stranger in the house. Be sure to be with us again next time when the sound of the great gong heralds another strange and exciting tale from... The Sealed Book. The Sealed Book, written by Bob Arthur and David Cogan, is produced and directed by Jock McGregor. You know, it's really interesting listening to this show. It was terrific, but uh, they only had an organ and a gong. That was it. So like the show we just heard prior to that, Michael Shane, they had a full orchestra, and it was on the same network, Mutual. So on one show, Michael Shane, they had this huge orchestra, like probably maybe 20 people in the orchestra. Here you had an organ and a gong. <laughs> and they kind of did the same thing. I was going to say, I'm a fan of the gong. Yeah, I, the gong is. I think is, it gives it a lot of personality. The gong is good. Like, remember the gong like the show? The gong show, exactly. That was good. That was good. But uh, anyway, I just love listening to the behind this. You know, when you're listening to these shows and you can, Picture it all happening. Um, yeah, this is the accusing corpse, April 29th, 1945, the sealed book. And this had a really great writing team behind it Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan. Philip Clark, who for a while was Mr. Keen, tracer of lost persons, playing the host on this show, the keeper of the book. All right, it's time for Sarah Knight Adamson. She's Hollywood 360's national movie critic, and each week she reviews a new film release. Sarah, take it away. Hey, Carl, and hello to all our listeners out there. Tonight, I'm going to talk about a movie that is streaming now on Apple TV. Do you remember the 1982 TV film Family Ties with Michael J. Fox or the classic movie Back to the Future? Still, a Michael J. Fox movie is a documentary Michael talks about his battle with Parkinson's disease that started at age 29. I screened it during the Sundance Film Festival in January and spoke with cast members. The popularity of Michael J. Fox is a phenomenon. Here is Michael J. Fox. What is the secret of your success? And the winner is Michael J. Fox. I don't believe this. This is great. I feel four feet tall. I highly recommend this film. Four stars out of four. As director Davis Guggenheim told me his personal thoughts on working with Michael J. Fox, he said, Michael has changed my life. His determination and tenacity are a role model for all. 
Book Club, the next chapter. Yes, they're back. Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, Mary Steenbergen, and Diane Keaton. Also, Don Johnson and Andy Garcia co-star. This is the next chapter, and the girls decide to take a trip to Italy for a bachelorette party, and there's also a wedding. Is a great walking city. These Hollywood ladies are so much fun to watch on the big screen together. I had a great time, and I can highly suggest the movie. Three and a half stars out of four. If you liked Book Club, you'll love this one. I'm Sarah Knight Adamson, your national film and TV critic for Hollywood 360. Be sure to check out my website, Sarah's Backstage Pass. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. I guess we're back to Hollywood 360 with, with Carl Amari. Carl Amari. <laughs> Just Carl. Um, Lisa's here too. Oh, and so okay. is Mike. Okay. Um, Robert Cummings makes a guest appearance on the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show from 1953. But first, Lisa Wolf Dylan, that's you is our lyricist for learning the lyrics. What letter are we on? We're on the letter S. So we've got three songs that begin with the letter S. Superfly. Is that a song? I don't know. Is it? I don't think so. All right. Well, we'll find out if it is or not. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. It's not. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.